THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 514 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast Nerds. My name is Matt Baum. I know we have missed a couple special Saturday shows, and for that, I apologize. I blame the damn weather. Good news. We're, get, we're supposed to get 18 inches of snow this weekend. Is it that bad? That's, I didn't think it was that bad. That's what I heard. Uh, I am the Internet's Joe Patrick. In the second episode of the new year, we'll be reviewing eight of this Wednesday's new comics with spotlight reviews on Marvel Comics Presents, number one, and the return of the Invaders. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll discuss our must-read picks for next Wednesday. And finally, Nerd TV returns after a seven-year hiatus to take a look what? at Young Justice, which has also just happens to have been gone for seven years. So we'll be brushing up on that, too. But before we start our Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for President Exploratory Commission, based on her Alan Moore quotes alone, we better talk about this week's Nerd News. A new Amethyst series is in development at DC Comics, spinning... It's about goddamn time. I know, right? right? <laughs> spinning out of the character's appearance in the new Young Justice title, which debuted last week. And according to series writer Brian Michael Bendis, it's a, quote, major female creator. Bendis tweeted out the news in answering a fan question about potential spinoffs. Here's another quote. Amethyst has a major creator already signed on. This creator was my first and only pick for the project, and she said yes. But that an announcement is for another day that shows you how much DC loves what we're building with Wonder Comics. While details on who the major creator is are unknown, Amy Reader, uh, who has most recently been seen on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and Rocket Girl, she uh, totally rules, by the way. She's super talented. Yes, uh, she did the Amethyst variant cover for Young Justice number one. Reader previously drew a variant cover for Miles. Well, that's not important, Newsarama. No. L- last week, Young Justice kicked off with Amethyst's gem world invading Earth and specifically Metropolis, which will lead the hero to, spoiler alert, join the team team. Another spoiler alert. It's not Gail Simone. She announced it on her Twitter. Uh, my money is on Kelly Sue DeConnick for some reason. Really? Her, Kelly Sue's kind of she's kind of busy right now, though. Well, but not really. She's writing Aquaman, and most of her creator-owned books never come out. So that's true. And she is, I think, only doing DC stuff at present. Right? I mean, they, she does a lot. Of, like they've got their TV development company, so I'm sure they got yeah. stuff going on there. But yeah, like comic-wise, I'm not really sure what is actually coming out from Kelly Sue other than Aquaman. Okay, I have, a, I have a better question, and it doesn't involve real people. Like, I don't have any problem with female hero, her, you know, heroines and heroes, whatever. Why Amethyst? Why are we getting so amped about Amethyst? Why now? I don't get it. Uh, because they're <laughs> trying to increase the, the, you know, they're trying to capture that Ms. Marvel vibe. Young, young adult. You know, young teen, young adult, female readership. Like, they want to capture that lightning in a bottle. Yeah, but Amethyst? <laughs> Why not just something new? She's hey, got a getting... high-profile return. We're getting Naomi as well, I guess. So oh, we'll I, re- I read an advanced copy of Naomi number one, and it was good. 
That's what I've heard. People yeah. are excited. The art People is incredible. Jamal Campbell, I don't even know where that guy came from. He is so talented. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't even know the name, but no, I've heard very good things about it. Anyway. So, Amethyst, I'm, I'm willing to give it a yeah, shot. What a, I yeah, think sh- Kelly Sue is a safe call. So, why Amethyst is uh, uh, the. It, not only is it kind of getting in on that um, young teen, young adult female demographic it's also a character with name recognition so you know that dudes like us are going to check it out i suppose i mean name recognition in quotes i guess oh please <laughs> is there a huge amethyst following that i don't know about really Look, really and, uh, dudes in their 40s you know they got secret runs of amethyst in their basement oh, <laughs> from <please>. the 80s <laughs> joe patrick let me ask you a question how much have you enjoyed the J.J. Abrams Star Trek relaunches? I mean, I like them. I've had a ton of fun with them, but guess what? I've got some really good news for you, buddy. Okay, all right, lay it on me. Star Trek Four is canceled! Oh, yeah! <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Paramount Star Trek Four has been canceled, according to Deadline. The Hollywood Trade reports that the untitled film, which would have been the fourth in the franchise, was began with... 2009 J.J. Abrams directed Star Trek has been, quote, shelved, which is another word for canceled. Right. Director S.J. Clarkson was reportedly signed on to direct the now-canceled film. Clarkson instead is going to direct the pilot for HBO's upcoming untitled Game of Thrones prequel show called We're Making This Up As We Go. No kidding. The film, which is one iteration, would reportedly have brought back Chris Hemsworth as George Kirk in a time travel adventure. The project first ran aground in August 2018 when Hemsworth and James T. Kirk actor Chris Pine reportedly exited the film over budgetary issues. The last film in the series, Star Trek Beyond, was released in 2016. Which was really sad about good. this. Star Trek Beyond was great. Uh, but it was a colossal failure. <laughs> no, it wasn't a colossal failure. No, it I just, think it, it lost the studio money. It did not as much money as the others. It still made money. It was still a pretty big success. I don't think that was the issue. I think the issue was you had Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth, who were both exploding in popularity Oh, well, yeah. When, t- when Star Trek 2009 came out, Chris Hemsworth was nobody. Right. It's like Thor had not even come out. No, he was no one. And then they were wanted to bring him back for this time travel thing, which sounds wonderful. I, I would have like, loved it. Whenever Star Trek travels time, I'm completely same, in. dude. Same. I'm sad to hear about this. I really did enjoy all three movies. Yes, me too. And I am sad, but you know, it's not as much as I like those movies. They don't feel very much like Star Trek to me. They're fun. No, I agree. They're fun they action like, movies. They feel like movie Star Trek. Is right, what they right, feel like. exactly. Um, but I think that they're they're really going gung ho with their uh, TV development. Oh, huge time! Uh, and we're going to talk more about that next week. You know, Star Trek is safe. You know, it's in good hands. Sure. Uh, we've got Discovery and the Picard show, and then two Discovery more shows is coming. Just wonderful! I cannot wait for it to come back. It is so damn good. And we finally saw those scenes of like bearded Spock, and yeah, people yeah. got super pissed. Not me, man. I think you look sexy as hell. Oh man. <laughs> I just like I liked those movies and the cast is charming and I love Chris Pine and you know every time yeah. every time they were like guess what Captain Kirk just totally loves the Beastie Boys I got a little chuckle out of it yeah it was cute yeah it was cute uh, but yeah it's a bummer but Star Trek lives on fair enough speaking of living on oh boy uh, I think this might be a nerd bet resolution in other Hollywood news Sony Pictures has formally begun development on a sequel to 2018's Venom. Good. According to, to answer to all our unanswered questions from Venom 1. Yeah, right. 
Which really left us hanging. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Venom co-writer Kelly Marcel has reportedly been tapped to write and executive produce the sequel for what is described as, quote, a significant price. No blue. Ooh, very, very intriguing. Tom Hardy previously said that his contract includes the option for two sequels. Variety reports that Michelle Williams and, spoilers, Woody Harrelson are expected to reprise their roles as Anne Weying and Cletus Cassidy, respectively. Oh, good. So Venom's going to fight another Venom. Because we didn't get to see him fight a Venom in the first. Yeah, one. yeah, no, it's. I think it's. Uh, I think the. I think the movie's official title is Venom Two: Colon Red Venom. <laughs> the Hollywood trade goes on to say, however, that Venom director Ruben Fleischer might not return for a sequel due to his filming Zombieland Two. That's Zombieland also. Zombieland also right. Yes. That film began production this month for an October release. He is also reportedly attached to film two other films. Let's stop saying film. Jekyll and the regional office is under attack. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that movie is, but I definitely want to see it. So uh, sadly, Venom was a success, so we're going to get more of yes, it. Yes. Not could. only are they making the sequel, but it made a ton of money. It made nearly $900 million. I I just don't care. I barely care. And it's upsetting me that now Venom and Aquaman are both huge hits, both of which are just mindless garbage. No, both when movies we have were so dumb much, fun. We have so many wonderful comic book films that are coming out that are also making money that have shown us, look, we can do this with heart and with spirit and with real talent. But now DC and Marvel are both proving, ah, you don't need that. Fuck it, man. Well, it was that Venom, it, and he's like, fights another Venom, and everyone's like, fuck yeah, Venom, bro. It's, you know? it's DC <sighs> and Sony, to be fair. Marvel Studios knows better. That's true. No, I don't care. I'm not interested. I cannot believe that Woody Harrelson wants to do this. Other than he's getting a paycheck, good for him. I'm glad he's working. Do you think that he's, he's also in Zombieland also? Uh, I would assume so. He lived. Yeah, so. he survived, right? <laughs> yeah, he survived. <laughs> I barely care. That's all I can say about this. I barely care. It's sad. It's the dumbing down of superhero movies, and we don't need that because they were dumb the enough dumbing down. for how many years? Calm down. It ain't Shakespeare, bro. That is your nerd news for the week, but I'm sure we've already missed plenty of stories while preparing for next week's Super Blood Wolf Moon. It's a thing. Look it up. So hit us up in the THN Forum's big news section, or better yet, tune in to Cover to Cover live every Saturday when we're not being buried with snow, where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 11.30 to 12.30 Central Standard Time. It's just like sports talk, but it's for nerds. You control the content. You can talk about whatever you want, and you can call us at 402-819-4894, or you can click the Call Now button on our Facebook page if you cannot remember seven numbers in a row. If you can't be there live, leave us a message, or you can send us an MP3, the two-headed nerd, at gmail.com. If you don't... And if you can't get through live, leave a message. We'll get to you. I promise. If you don't recognize that a phone number is 10 digits, not seven, then leave us uh, an email. I was talking about something else. I don't know what you're uh -huh. Listen, if we get if we get 10 inches of snow, we're going to do the live show remotely, and you're just going to have to suck it up and be on camera not by yourself. sitting there by myself like an idiot. Then we just no. won't broadcast it live. We'll still record it. I hate it. I hate it.
It's review time in the ziggurat, and this week's Marvel slipped a little something extra into two of their new books they sent us. Matt, what are you giving a totally impartial review to this week, Nudge Nudge? My main review this week just so happens to be Marvel Comics Presents. Number one from Marvel Comics, it's written by Charles Soule, Greg Pak, and Anne Nascenti, with art by Paolo Sicaria, Tom Coker, and Greg Land. It was $4.99. I have no idea how many pages it was, because they didn't tell me, and... I was afraid to count. Here is your solution. 40, 40 plus. Three Titanic tales celebrating the first decade of Marvel stories. First! An all-new tale of the man they call the Wolverine begins in the 1940s. Then comes Captain America, the first Avenger of World War II, still fighting for freedom today. Actually, no. Then it was Namor. And finally, the untold tale of Namor and the atom bomb, which was actually the second story. But whatever. Marvel Comics Presents returns to tell stories readers might not otherwise see, starring lesser-known characters like Wolverine, Namor, and Captain America. I get it. They need to sell comics, and anthology books can be... Dude, the old Marvel Comics Presents was always Cable and Wolverine. What are you talking about? But, like, they had the lead story, and then there was two backstories starring nobody that were really cool, and that's what I wanted to see. Yeah, I remember buying a couple that had Firestar backup stories. Exactly. I was hoping for at least one B-list hero or villain story. Maybe they'll get there. We'll see. That said, each one of these stories were well told and illustrated. The book is split into three parts. The first is a Marvel Comics Presents Wolverine story by Charles Soule with art by Pilo Sicaria. It sees Wolvie battling a supernatural threat that looks like it probably continues in the next issue. Story two is listed as a Marvel Age tale, which is also a callback, but this one is to a Marvel anthology promo comic magazine type book called Marvel Age. These new Marvel Age stories examine characters responding to major historical events, which I know is something we've never seen before. Totally unprecedented. (laughs) This time, it's Greg Pak writing a one-shot starring Namor dealing with the U.S. atomic attack on Japan in World War II. Great art by Tom Coker in this story, and very good story by Greg Pak, I gotta say. I love Tom Coker. Finally, we get Marvel Spotlight, where, quote... Heroes from every decade of Marvel history take center stage, which is apparently different than the Marvel Age historical stories, I guess. Well, yeah, this story was <laughs> taking place in the present day. Yeah, I know. Which but confused like, the hell out of me. I don't know. According to them, I, I'm not sure where they're going here. I like that they split it up like this and you get like the spotlight, the Marvel Age yeah. and the Marvel Comics. I, I really, it's kind of I really fun. liked the throwback titles to the anthology books. Yeah, that's fun. But you got to do something with it. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's do it right and separate it. Here we got Anna Senti writing a feel-good Cap story where a little girl's inspired to become a stunt biker after seeing Cap in action. It's not a bad little story, although Cap does give the girl's mom some really questionable advice. <laughs> yeah, let your dumb kid do whatever she wants. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, of course, Greg Land draws mom like a complete supermodel because yeah. that's all he can do. Uh, the, He's a plumber, hope, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm a plumber. Uh, ho- the most beautiful plumber in the universe. Hopefully this girl grows up to be the leader of the new Team America. Could be. Yeah. All in all, Marvel Comics Presents makes a solid return here. I'm hoping the book moves to highlight some lesser-known characters in the future. But this first issue was a fun read, and I'm giving it a buy it. Yeah, I really liked it. Like even the even the Anna Senti Greg Land story, which is arguably the weakest of the three, I thought it was perfectly fine and enjoyable. Yeah, um, I am totally confused because the way I understood it, 
I like I see where you're coming from about the about wanting to uh, spotlight some lesser known characters, but this version of Marvel Comics Presents is supposed to be like a celebration of Marvel's 80th anniversary. Right. And the way I understood it was that each issue was going to be dealing with a specific decade starting with the 40s, which was why it totally made sense that the first two stories yeah. were taking place in the Absolutely. 40s. And then the third story took place in 2018. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't get it, but the stories were good and I liked it. I'm well, and the it first two stories just basically took place in World War II. Yeah, look, I thought the Namor story was incredible. Uh, it was very good, and it was very good. Between this and Invaders, which I'm going to talk about in a second, it was a really good week for very good Namor stories. Yeah, strangely, and I want to talk about that Namor thing. But while we're at it, why don't you go ahead and uh, get into your review? As I said earlier, I am reviewing Invaders Number 1, also from Marvel Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, with art by Carlos Magno and Butch Geis, colors by Alex Guimarães. Sorry, Alex. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's it. Yeah, I know. It's 40 pages (laughs) for $4.99, and here is your solicit. I'm not going to yell all this stuff. It's late. The greatest generation of Marvel heroes is back to stop one of their own. In commemoration of Marvel's 80th anniversary and springing from the events in the pages of Avengers and The Best Defense, the Marvel Universe's first super team is back. Captain America, the Human Torch, the Winter Soldier, Namor. They fought in World War II together as the invaders, but now Namor is the enemy. A global threat more powerful than ever. His deadly plans are as deep and far-reaching as the ocean, and revelations about his past could threaten the Marvel Universe. It's up to his old teammates to stop him, but what chance do they have against the man who knows their every move? War Ghost begins here. My interest level in this title dipped quite a bit after Chip Zdarsky and Carlos Magno's boring as hell Defenders Namor one-shot last month. Sorry, Chip. You know it's true. Shit was boring. Thankfully, while this issue is still pretty Namor-centric, Zdarsky keeps my interest with some great flashback scenes to the invaders' battles during World War II, specifically dealing with Namor's relationship with the human soldiers that he claims to look down upon. That first scene with Namor pushing himself to his physical limit, trying to save one man, is heartbreaking, especially when Captain America assures a broken Namor that the Allies won the battle, despite the overwhelming loss. Yeah, it's something we don't get to see with Namor a lot. Right. And, and I did like that. Normally, he's just like, there was a while there, like, well, why did this asshole ever fight? Yeah, right, Raiders? exactly. He's such a jerk. <laughs> that scene goes a long way toward establishing the current state of the Sea King's mental health as he rallies the lost tribes of Atlantis by force in preparation for an attack on the surface world. Meanwhile, Captain America puts bros before heroes. Thank you, Tom. Oh, come on. Thank you, Tom King, for that phrase. And starts reassembling the old gang to try and talk their friend down. I love the idea that Cap calls Bucky and the original Human Torch because he knows that if the Avengers go, they'll just start a war. Yeah. And Tony Stark is totally pissed about it. And Tony should be. He's right. Yeah, Tony I mean, is sort like, of. The mindset, like, are you serious? Look who we're dealing with right. here. <laughs> How long has this guy been a jerk? By the end of the issue, we discover that something is very, very wrong with Namor, and Zdarsky sets up a couple of really great mysteries that I am excited to see play out. Sometimes I'm not really fond of Carlos Magno's style, but his work in this issue is incredible. His Planet of the Apes work is just amazing. But yeah, stunning. His work in this issue is amazing, especially the scene set in Atlantis. 
He produces a world so alien and full of life. I love his design work on the undersea cities yeah. and the Atlanteans with their crustacean armor. Like, it all makes sense. It's not like. Except Namor was sleeping in a bed. <laughs> well, you know, we adri- we've had that conversation. It made me think about our conversation a couple it's weeks true. ago. Like, come on, he has covers. They're soaked. <laughs> you know, like, what are they doing? Butch, uh, Butch Geis was the perfect artist for the flashback scenes, and I really hope that he sticks around as a regular feature on the book and not just for this storyline. Color artist Alex Guimarez does a fantastic job coloring both eras, adding bold and vibrant hues to the modern-day art and a more subtle, washed-out palette for the flashbacks. I love the Invaders. And this book is off to a great start. And though he's been on this trajectory for a few years now, I'm really happy that Chip Zdarsky is developing as more than just a comedy writer and that he's not just that one weird guy you follow on Twitter. (laughs) I'm giving Invaders number one a huge buy it. I don't care about the Invaders. And I will go on record as saying that I've never really cared about the Invaders. I understand they were part of Marvel history. They didn't make sense for a long time just because of the nature of the characters as I understood them. This was so well done in the fact that it wasn't just like, here's another, you know, World War II story of the invaders that you don't care about and you know how it's going to end because they're all alive today. And guess what? We killed Hitler. So, hey. (laughs) Well, yeah, but that's all World War II stories, dude. No, they are. But this, what I'm saying is this one wasn't just that. It touched on World War II and it touched on some themes that they dealt with back then. It touched on the fact that Namor may have never stopped fighting that war. Right. That why is he doing what he's doing? Why is he helping the surface dwellers when he's so mad? At so, them? like, if you... Is he lying to himself? If you, and I thought that was one of the most interesting things that they have done with the character of Namor in a very long time. Yeah, and I don't know why, like... Again, Zdarsky is a creator that I love, but that Namor Defenders one-shot did not have... It was so boring. ...any of it this It was so depth. boring. It was just... No. Scenery chewing Namor shouting Imperious Rex and trying to force people to behave the way he wanted. Well, and I almost wonder if he got that job to write that one shot and then they were like, hey, you're going to write the Invaders book. And he was like, oh, shit, I got to save this stuff because it's going to work so much better in the Invaders. I I don't know. I don't like to speculate like that. I don't know. know, Yeah. I do like this new rise of Chip Zdarsky as a dramatic writer and he's doing a fantastic fucking job on it. it. I am definitely on board for more invaders and I've never been able to say that before in my life. I'm giving this a huge bite. Two things real quick. I don't know. I don't know what you thought was so confusing about the invaders in the past. It's a world war two team of superheroes. No, no, no. I didn't think they were confusing. I just mean the nature of the characters, like why Namor was there. Why is there two human torches? You know, well, there's only <laughs> like Bucky. I never cared about, you know, back then. And then he died and gave back a bad guy. And, you know, like uh, I had no I connection it's because to the you invaders. A dummy I just didn't care. You a dummy. Yeah. I just had no connection to the invaders and I never cared. Like the, the invaders were that collection of characters because when those stories took place, they were really the only characters that were around. <laughs> I get that. I just had zero connection sure, to it. No, so I never I gave it. a shit. Uh, second thing is if you read this uh, issue and the Greg pack story in Marvel comics presents, it is some excellent insight yes. into the history of Namor and why he is the way he is. Yeah, the two work very well. Yeah, together, it's almost like it's almost like they planned it. So that is a double buy it for Marvel Comics Presents number one, and a double buy it for Invaders number one. Those checks they must have really come through from Marvel. I don't know what you're talking about. 
We'll post our written reviews over at TwoHeadedNerd.com so surviving World War II vets can him haw and be completely embarrassed of us until their death. But we want to hear from you, too. Call us, email us, tweet at us, Facebook us, whatever works for you. But we got to know what you guys thought about these comics, too. The Super Blood Wolf Moon is upon us, and Matt and I are preparing the only way we know how by snatching a cheeseburger from Werewolf Jughead's mouth, only to be bitten, so we transform and howl with the other beasts while reviewing eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Uncanny X-Men, number 10 from Marvel! Man, am I bored with this! Uh, boy, <laughs> after 10 long weeks, the exhausting X-Men disassembled storyline finally comes to a close. Sort of. This whole story was kind of a mess, and the finale is no different. Writing trio Kelly Thompson, Ed Brisson, and Matthew Rosenberg, all excellent writers on their own, and artist Perry Perez deliver an oversized issue that is 50%, no joke, Gene and Nate Gray talking in a white void. He is crapping you negative. And 50% <laughs> dozens of X-Men shooting multicolored beams at X-Man while shouting quips. That's it. Yep. There are a couple of shining moments. Storm gets a great one. And I am kind of interested in the new status quo set up at the end. But, yeah, for however long that lasts. But overall, uh-huh. I just didn't feel anything reading this. X-Men is at its best when it focuses on a modestly sized core roster, allowing for lots of character development. This was just too much, too fast, and it all ends up feeling kind of meaningless. This is exactly what I said about the first issue, and you told me I was wrong. Well, because that was a first issue, and I was like, dude, uh-huh. it's a... F- and now we're ten issues deep, it's the first and I feel the same way! It was the first issue of a weekly story. I thought maybe it needed a little bit more room to breathe, but yes, uh-huh. yes, you were right in the end. I am looking forward to next month with a core creative team and hopefully a core cast, but for now, I'm giving Uncanny X-Men number 10 a skim it. I'm giving it a leave oh, it. I would like to talk I mean, about this more. it's not that bad. It's, it, I would like to talk about this more on Saturday, but like this was supposed to be the X team that changes everything, makes us feel better. It has not. Yeah, I agree with that. Hawkman number eight from DC. Carter Hall's psychedelic trip through outer space takes him to the remains of Krypton, where he meets another of his former selves moments before the planet's destruction. Brian Hitch's pencils are just massive in scope here, filling panels with crackling cosmic destruction splashed over his angled point of view. Hawkman is so damn good. And it looks like we are finally getting to the story that it's been building to from the first issue. The difference between this and Uncanny X-Men is this ride has been awesome. I'm giving it a bite. I totally agree. It's DC's best solo book. Oh, my God, it's great. Ghostbusters, IDW 2020, one shot from IDW. (laughs) Yeah, I know. This IDW 2020 thing is supposed to be a celebration of the publisher's 20th anniversary with special stories. Have they been celebrating this for three years now? I don't know. (laughs) I feel like. With special stories showing various properties either 20 years in the future or 20 years in the past. Now, maybe I was just wrong to expect special standalone tales, but this one shot is just a continuation of a previous Ghostbusters miniseries. Regular Ghostbusters creative team of writer Eric Burnham and artist Dan Schoening are here doing what they do and doing it just fine. But this just seemed like inconsequential filler that should have been part of another series and not the celebration that the event that the event implies. And if you haven't been reading the series this spins out of, why would you even bother? Ghostbusters IDW 2020 gets a skim it 
just because it's well executed. It just doesn't make any sense for it to be part of this event. It's just really strange. I feel like Ghostbusters is the one title that they are not nailing. They're they're one. I mean, you know, they've been licensed title that they're not killing. They've been the rest of them. They're doing a great job on. They've it. been doing this with the same two dudes for years now, and and it's fine. It's yeah, fine. I just I don't really feel that plugged into it. I don't I don't know if I care. Star Wars: Age of the Republic special number one from Marvel. I believe it is just Star Wars Age of Republic. I'm looking at the cover right now. Okay. <laughs> I admit, I'm allergic to Star Wars prequel stories, but I also understand some of you youngsters grew up with this garbage, and the prequels seem to be enjoying some kind of ridiculous renaissance as you idiots grow up. Barf. Anyway, here we got a forgetful but somewhat badass Mace Windu story, a pretty solid Asajj Ventress story by Jody Hauser, and then... Chips Zdarsky writes a Jar Jar Binks story that one day I'm going to punch that dude in the face. Oh, man. I get it. It's Star Wars history, but this Age of Republic special is only getting a skim from me. There is no excuse to do any Jar Jar Binks story. After we said such nice things about that guy. Period. Adventure time. Marcy and Simon, number one from Boom. Oh, real quick. This is a total aside, but uh, the millennials growing up and the Star Wars prequels getting a resurgence in popularity. Oh my god. Is just like the newest wave of comic creators that were little yes. kids in the 90s. That loved Rob Leefield. It's the same fucking thing. It's like thing. you guys, listen. <laughs> I was screaming down two dudes at work the other day about this. And they were and by the end they were like you're right. You're right. Okay, fine. You're right. <laughs> I loved it too, but you have to recognize that stuff was shitty. Writer Olivia Olsen delivers a really cute story about the cured former Ice King, spoilers, Simon Petrikov, as he goes on an apology tour visiting everyone he's ever wronged and reconnecting with his closest friend, Marceline the Vampire Queen. Slim Fabert, great name, does a fantastic job on art, striking a balance between the show's animation style and the ultra-minimal cartooning of James Kochalka. This was really sweet and fun, and it does a fine job filling in those readers like me who may not have seen every episode of the show. Adventure Time, Marcy and Simon, number one, gets a buy it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder and Hell, number one, from IDW. I have watched the evolution of Mateus Santoluco as an artist for years now, and I cannot believe how talented this guy has become. His work on this issue is truly stunning, illustrating Shredder's dreamscape journey into the afterlife. It was beautiful. The penciling here is deep and detailed, but it maintains a manga feel and the action and occasional speed lines. The story is bizarre and reads like a feudal Japanese samurai fairy tale that actually fleshes out the turtle's big bad very well. And Santa Luoco wrote it, too. This was a pleasant surprise with just amazing art. Shredder in Hell gets a huge buy. I, I expected nothing I will, from this. I will say this. Based on the title alone, I thought it was going to be like a James Stokoe-style, like, just Shredder well, fucking shit And that's like up. all the variant covers, that's what we saw. And dude. it's not and that I at all. I think there was 16 variant Yeah, covers. there was. <laughs> uh, it, and it was not that at all. In fact, it was, like, sort of poignant and beautiful in parts. Yeah. And yeah. It was, it was excellent. Avatar! Tootsie's Path, right? Uh, I think I think we decided that it was Tootsie's Path. Tootsie's Path, number one from Dark Horse. 
I cannot fathom the mental gymnastics required to believe that the world is clamoring for an Avatar spinoff. It's just not. All the Avatar fans killed themselves, right? All the people that, bl- that, that painted themselves blue and, and like braided their hair and shit and went to theaters yeah, yeah, multiple they, times. They, They're dead, they plugged, right? They plugged their <laughs> braids into electrical outlets and they all got electrocuted. Right. They did. Yeah. They got on the asteroid and they left. Yeah. <laughs> right. Nearly a decade removed from the film and years away from the, what, 18 sequels that have been promised that may never come. Oh, God. But here we are. Novelist Sherry L. Smith teams with veteran Star Wars artist Jan Dersima for a tale. Oh, Jan. I know. For a tale that takes place during the events of the movie that you definitely remember. The script is 50% grunts and sound effects and not actual <laughs> dialogue. Props to Dersima and her attempt for at least trying to give the Navi distinct faces. However, she makes no attempt at capturing any of the characters' likenesses. I didn't even know who was who until I looked up the character names on IMDb. Turns out one of the main characters is Zoe Saldana's character from Avatar. Okay. The movie is inexplicably the most successful film ever made, but still, no one wants this, do they? It's not good. Please. I dare you. I dare you to name the main dude. Tell me the character. cannot. No. No one can. You know why? Because the movie sucks. I can tell you that the actor's name is Sam Worthington. Apparently, he never worked again. I can tell you that Sigourney (laughs) Weaver is in it. (laughs) <laughs> and I can tell you that the element that everyone is so horny for is called unobtainium. Yeah, That's it. So stupid. Uh, leave it. Please stop giving James Cameron more money. Stop it. The warning number three from Image. Edward LaRoche writes and illustrates his military sci-fi story about an enormous machine that is slowly materializing in what seems to be near future San Francisco. The machine seems to be the work of aliens, and the world is responding with a joint multinational combat group with bleeding-edge tech that turns soldiers into something more than human. I read the first three issues, and LaRoche's script reads like a Tony Scott thriller, complete with coordinating branches of the near-future military carrying out incredible missions. While his art can be a little stiff, LaRoche knows his limitations, and he works in his wheelhouse very well to give this book a very unique look and a feel to his story. I'm giving this a buy it. I missed this when it came out. Yeah. I don't know how. It was this cover that grabbed me, and I burned through the first three. Yeah, really me too. I've got these saved on my uh, iPad. I'm excited to read them. Krasaka Boom! That is your ludicrous speed round, and Krasaka Boom is the sound of the newly reunited Young Justice getting Krasaka Boomed into Gemworld. <laughs> Pretty much. That's how it happened. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by Jimmy Randall via the THN Facebook fan page. Thank you, Jimmy. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can visit the Gem World Post Office and hope those jerks can find the ziggurat or just send it to any of our social media or hit us up with an email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Guys, it's it's been a bad week. And it all started with one wrong click. That made the fucking baby shark song play all over the ziggurat. And now we are forced to march to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're going to heat up coat hangers over the flame of Keld and push them into our ears to murder the earworm. Can we just try listening to something else and maybe talk about our must-read picks for next week? 
I mean, yeah, that's fine, but I just don't even get the let's go hunt part and run away. Like, what the fuck is even going on there? <laughs> Seriously. Joe, what is your pick for next week? My pick for next week is The Return of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, number one from Boom Studios, written by Jordi Belair. Art by Dan Mora, who I didn't put two and two together when this book was announced. He drew Klaus, and, and he is talented. so good. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. Go back to the beginning as the critically acclaimed pop culture phenomenon Buffy the Vampire Slayer is reimagined under the guidance of series creator Josh Wheaton. This is the Buffy Summers you know who wants what every average teenager wants. Friends at her new school, decent grades, and to escape her imposed destiny as the next in a long line of vampire slayers tasked with defeating the forces of evil. You and me both, sweetheart. But her world looks a lot more like the one outside your window, which is an old Marvel saying that they stole. As Eisner Award-nominated writer Jordi Belair and Russ Manning Award winner Dan Mora, who also draws Go-Go Power Rangers, yes. bring Buffy into a new era with new challenges, new friends, and a few enemies you might already recognize. But the more things change, the more they stay the same as the gang faces brand new big bads and the threat lurking beneath the perfectly manicured exterior of Sunnydale High confirms what every teenager has always known. High school is truly hell. I am a huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its universe. Uh, I am very curious about how this is going to go. Are Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. I one, think it's, We're going to have to really talk about it. Like... I don't know. Yeah, this is you know. So this is the resetting of Buffy in the modern day. Sure, I, I just and it sounds like it's not going to be just a retelling of the series. I think they're going to tell new stories with familiar characters. Yeah, I think they're going to like take some different takes. Like I don't think they're on, just going to adapt it. No, I think they're going to take seri- like beats of the story and maybe show you some slightly different takes on those beats. You know, which yeah, like I don't know. We'll see. In the, I, I just don't know if I need in this the at new all. in the new comic Willow is the werewolf and Oz is the lesbian. Oh, okay. Now see, now that's because it's twenty nineteen. It's twenty nineteen, <laughs> y'all. And Xander is a magic creature, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, look, I'm excited. Like, I I don't. Do I wish that they had just continued on with existing Buffy stories set in the existing universe? Yes, I do. Or or new Slayer. Yeah, or the know? new right. We're gonna because we're gonna get the new show with a right. with a new Slayer, but it's a it's a sequel to the original show. I don't understand why we're also doing a reboot of the original show. Hey, you picked it, asshole. So I'm curious I mean. about it, and everything has potential until you read it, and it sucks. No, I'm curious. I do think it's really interesting that Jordi Belair is writing this. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious about it. What is your pick for yeah. next week? My pick for next week is Guardians of the Galaxy number one from Marvel Comics. It's written by Donnie Cates, who can't be fucking stopped right now, with art by Jeff Shaw. Here is your solicit. Who will stand? The universe is on fire. Hundreds of worlds are at war. Never has there been such hatred and division across the cosmos. And in spite of all of this... Thanos of Titan is still dead. Da, da, da. Or is he? Now, more than ever. No, he's not. Spoiler alert. Now, no, he's dead. More than ever. The cut, not for long. Now, more than they ever. Cut the cut his head off. The guard is the galaxy. But in the aftermath of the Infinity Wars, who is left to answer the call? Featuring every cosmic superhero in the known damn universe. It is true. By the Thanos Wins creative team of Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw. I just love what Donny Cates has been doing. Yeah. 
I cannot wait for him to take control of this and make me care about the Guardians again. Cosmic Ghost Rider is here, and yep. that character has been so goddamn good. And I don't know if that means that this Cosmic Ghost Rider exists at the same time. No, I think he traveled. As the Punisher he, and the Ghost Rider. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He traveled. What is he traveled back in time. He traveled back in time to the current day. Because apparently, because he's from the far future. Right. I I'm so excited for this. It's going to be. Uh, I read uh, there was a a retailer preview of this issue, uh, which I read. And about midway through the issue, something very big happens, and the entire back half of the book was redacted. <laughs> and I've That's been correct. dying to find out what happens. It's great. I am very excited. The THN Trade of the Week goes to Supers, Volume 1 from Top Shelf, written by Frederic Maupom, with art by Dawid. It's 112 pages for $14.99. Here, just listen. Matt, Lily, and Benji aren't from around here. Abandoned on planet Earth, hiding far from their home, they can't even use their powers in public for fear of being discovered. Starting at a new school is hard enough already. Supers one... Uh, sorry, I should separate those thoughts a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> starting at a new school is hard enough already. Dot, dot, dot. Supers won the first ever youth award from ACBD, which is the French Association of Comics Critics. Where's the B come in? And the D? I don't know, dude. It's French. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to its rich blend of family tension, super thrills, and classroom drama all presented in gorgeous full-color artwork, now it is your turn to meet these awesome immigrants. Welcome to the family. Uh, Build the wall, am I right? Yeah, no, you kidding uh, me? Give me? I don't need these French people coming over here and taking my American comic book job. I don't okay? need these French aliens coming to the White House <laughs> and eating my platter of cold filet of fish sandwiches, okay? No, uh, this looks really, really good. Uh, the art looks incredible. and uh, I love a good top shelf graphic novel. It's top shelf. You can't go wrong yeah. with top shelf. Those guys put out super high quality shit. It's period. So... There you have our picks for Wednesday, January 23rd. But we want to know what you nerds are reading, too. So after you have burned the earworms out of your head, tell us what you plan on reading next week. Or hit us up on any of our social networking platforms. Don't forget to make sure all our picks... Don't forget to make sure all your picks are added to your poll file. Stop it. I am dead serious. I went to bed the other night... Just like examining the lyrics, like it, it, it is nonsense. It is complete fucking nonsense. No, I know, dude. It was on good. Do you know that song made it to the Billboard 100? I know. It got on the Billboard 100 because America is officially dumb and deserves to die uh, at this point. Apparently, I read. We're, I read a fun thing on Facebook today where somebody said, "Can we just? Can't we just say that this season of America is over and go on hiatus <laughs> for the summer until next season?" And just, Fire the fucking writers, and we can just reboot and relaunch and forget that it ever happened, okay? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's been five damn years since Young Justice Season 2, but the good people at DC and the DC Universe app have dropped six new episodes in a desperate attempt to get a dozen of you to sign up for the DC Universe app. But the question is, was it worth the wait? It's time for Nerd TV Young Justice Edition. So Young Justice is back, 
And not only is it back, it is back as if it never friggin' left. Well, there's like a, they there's expect a time, you. There's a time jump. To have well, there is a time jump, but they second seasons. There was a time jump. They definitely expect you to have just finished watching season well, two. Well, to be fair, they are <laughs> all available on this. the app. That is true. They are all available, and that's very sweet of them. I did not go back and watch the other ones. I did very much enjoy Young Justice season one. Yes, I did not go back and watch them all because there are a lot of them. I didn't mind the time jump here, and they're doing some things that I really liked, like Superboy, Miss Martian are an item, and they're together, and I think that's just absolutely adorable. Superboy's dog, Wolf, is still there, but it's super lazy, and all it does is sleep now for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was really cute. I, I will say the first two episodes just hit very hard, hyper serious. No, yeah, like Young around. Justice is not like, a light show. There, there was some light. Well, yeah, I mean it's a cartoon. There, there are moments. There are moments of brevity. Right. It's not. It's not Titans. But like in the second episode, there is straight up a scene where you have a character with blood all over his hands. He has just murdered a bunch of people. And that's not something that I recall from no, the old they're Young They're definitely Justice taking episodes. advantage of the fact that they don't have any um, ratings restrictions on the app as opposed right. to what they I mean, had on the Cartoon Network. It's not like nudity and, and gore or anything I like mean, that. I mean, I was really un- surprised when Nightwing said, fuck Black Lightning in the first episode. <laughs> no, I, they are definitely untethered from Cartoon Network or Disney XD or whatever they were doing. That. I don't even, was Cartoon, it Cartoon yeah, Network? Yeah, not Disney XD, dude. That's Marvel. <laughs> no, you're it, right. It yeah, was Cartoon Network. Network. And they have definitely edged it up. Yeah, but a not bit. too much. They're not, not, not in a distressing No, they're, not, they're not cursing and whatnot. But I will say the first two episodes were really heavy. And the third episode, it mellowed out a little bit. And that made me feel a little better. I started yeah, to go. I mean, okay. I guess it didn't yeah. bother me because Young Justice was always kind of an edgy show. Like it was still a show for kids. It was still on network TV, but you know, it was always a little bit. It had a bit more of an edge and a sharpness to it compared to like Justice League Unlimited and that sort of thing. Sure, they just took it further than they've, I have. They've pushed it ever a little bit it. more. That that's true. On a show like this, not necessarily any further than we've seen with some of the latest, like DC straight to, you know, on demand animated stuff that we've in the past right. few years where they've gotten kind of edgy with some shit. I didn't particularly care for the Suicide Squad one, the Suicide Squad Batman. I have one, not anyway. watched a DC but animated was, movie in years. Oh, I've watched it. I've watched quite a few of them and none of them are real <laughs> great anymore. This definitely felt like they paid very close attention to the feel and the art and maybe not the voices of everything of everybody in the old show, but there is a time. Well, yeah, no, I so think, I, can, I think the character still rang true, but I will say that like the guy that's doing Dick now that's doing Dick Grayson, his voice is so young sounding. That yeah. But I mean, I think it's all still <laughs> the same actors. I think is so. Is it really? Cause this, he sounds even younger <laughs> now. How is that possible? Uh, I will say this, like, and again, the shows are all on the app, so it's perhaps my own fault for not rewatching the first two seasons, but they jump right in and they don't explain shit. They, no, they're like, not at all. And the cast is huge. right. The cast is huge. Artemis is living with, uh, the clone of Roy Harper, which I totally forgot about. I told me too. And I was like, for, 
for a solid half of the episode. I was like, what is right. fucking Especially going on when here? you get to season four, <laughs> our episode four. Oh my. And it's yeah. not just one clone of Roy Harper. Kid Flash, Wally West is dead, which I forgot. Totally forgot uh, as well. Bart Allen is still kicking around somewhere. I don't think he appears has appeared yet. Robin has become Nightwing. That happened last year, or last season, rather. Um, yeah, the like relationships have evolved. Characters have evolved. Uh, the Justice League. Uh, oh, the biggest thing, perhaps, is that Calder uh, is now Aquaman. So we don't know what happened there, but he is definitely yeah, like, Aquaman. Where's Arthur Curry? No I don't question. know. Right. And, and that was... A complaint that I had, not not even a complaint. We complain sometimes about shows like this returning and not paying enough attention to the continuity. This one, if it's guilty of anything, might be almost too It's got close a slavish to devotion to its own lore. Right. In the sense where, like, when you're doing animation like this, which is not bad an- animation by any stretch, but it is kind of simple and cartoonish animation, and some of the characters can look very similar. And when you take them out oh, of yeah, like in the first three episodes and put them in situations, right? Exactly. Where like Nightwing is running around in disguise and they're Artemis all in is black in ops gear, not their and, outfits. Right. And I, I'm just like, who am I watching? Who sure. is this? What's going on? And now I, I will give them credit that they're not constantly saying each other's names and code names and shit, which is stupid too. You know, but at the same time, it was a little. Hard I mean, the to the only real problem was telling apart Superboy and Nightwing because the other two characters were Black Lightning and Artemis. <laughs> Absolutely, but, yeah. but even then, like uh, the Artemis character, I was just like, "Who is this again?" Like I didn't until she, I saw her in full costume. I was like, "Okay, that is Artemis." Got it. Yeah. I remember now, and that didn't happen until three right. episodes and in. So it's Artemis <laughs> who I, I'm just like, "Okay, blonde girls running around <laughs> with either Superboy or Nightwing." I'm not really sure. Okay, you just picked up a truck. Right. It's Superboy, <laughs> right? Know? So it's Artemis <laughs> who later adopted the identity of Tigress, which I forgot. Uh, and right. Also, I believe that there is an arrowette or a, or a red arrow. Yes. Well, this Artemis is not the Artemis we're thinking no, okay, of so either. This like she, version of the she was a supervillain, and now she's good. So this version of the character is kind of loosely based on the comic book Young Justice character Arrowette, uh, the young blonde, right. you know, Archer contemporary. Um, she's kind of a melding of, of uh, a few different things, but yeah, you're right. She started as a supervillain, and then later uh, saw the error of her ways and joined the team. Um, right. But yeah, like. It's just, I, I tell you what I could have used was like a 15 minute recap, record a 15 they, minute recap to get me all caught up. Yeah. They, they definitely assume that you are so excited for this, that you watched that you the entirety of seasons 60 one and episodes two. of young justice. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and I'm, this is not like a massive complaint. I'm glad. No, I mean, it it's back. a good problem and to it have, right? Like it, it's not a complaint at but all to me. It's right. Like, it is a good but, problem to have, but it certainly hit the ground running. I will say they introduced some stuff that I never thought they would have even touched. They like Forager, for example, shows uh, up from Young Animal. Oh yeah, basically. from the fourth and world. Like, I'm not there yet. Um, but yeah, like they're the introducing new gods are here. outsiders, I mean, like literal outsiders from Batman and the Outsiders. Well, this this from what I understand, this Young Justice chapter is titled. Outsiders. From what you understand, it's called Outsiders, Matt. It's in the title. 
Well, no, the, the, I get that, but I think they are centering Word on, on the, the fact street that it's is like, that this season is called <laughs> Young Justice Outsiders. But I think they are centering on the fact that like some of these characters are going to branch off and say like, look, we're playing. Yeah, the right. Like they released the a promo image in advance of the new season, and like Metamorpho was there, and Katana, Katana, right. who we knew was around. Uh, so Katana and Black Lightning are around, and they just. But he's just lightning. He's no, they call lightning. him Black Lightning. I think no, they just call like, him lightning. I think like when they're talking to him, they just call him lightning, like as like shorthand. Okay. I was just happy because I was like, okay, he's black, so I know who <laughs> he is. <laughs> he's like all the white people look exactly but, the same. Um, <laughs> but like, there's a there's a, a Halo uh, character. There's a they just uh, got done setting up Geo Force, which is totally fun. I'm not upset that Teen Titans is back. And what's the I, name I'm, of the show? Pardon me. I'm not ups- I'm not upset that Young Justice is back, and I think that they have done everything that I have complained about in other shows that have returned. And here I am complaining a bit about it because I wasn't ready for it. That is not the show's fault. The show is assuming that you're paying attention. The show is assuming that you're a fan and the show is assuming that you wanted to do exactly what it did from the first season to the second season. And I'm glad that it has. And I think when it's done, I'm very much going to enjoy it. It has been a little hard because I, I, it's been five fucking no, years. No, yeah, sure. It's been five years. I mean, years, for me, you know? while I do have some roadblocks in my memory of the old show, like, I am still really enjoying myself. Be- and, and, you know, like, they hit the ground running. They they trust oh, yeah. the viewer to understand what's going on. When Big Bear shows up, I loved it. And <laughs> I'm really loving it. Like, I, I'm, I'm midway through episode four. Black Lightning is having hot dogs on a park bench with a very obscure DC character. And uh-huh. I'm just like, okay, I'm <laughs> thrilled that this is happening. Yeah, I do like that they're not afraid to do that at all. And this is a great place to do it. Because what yeah, do you have exactly. Like, if there's a you character know? that you think is too obscure to show up in a major media adaptation, you are wrong about Young Justice. Because it's happening. Yeah, They're all here. And it is a ton of fun. I'm happy to have this back. I'm still not going to say that it's time to subscribe to the DC oh, app. Oh, no, no, But no, if you get a chance no. we need to way, watch We this, need way more stuff on the DC app before it's worth it. But yeah. this... It's still completely This lacking. show is absolutely worth your time. Uh, however you choose to uh, experience it, be that via the app or other unsavory means. Yeah, the good news is the whole rest of the world probably can watch it on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, it's true. Hey, Jimmy Randall, check it out. It might be on Netflix for you. <laughs> Yeah, it's a watch it from me. I'm super happy it's back. Yay for Young Justice. I never, like, I legit thought we'd never see it again. So, I'm thrilled. Excelsior! That is it for THN 514. Before we get out of here, Joe Patrick, we need to reset a two-week-old question that we have not gotten. It's true. This week's question is an oldie, once again, from Phil Lee via the THN forums. This uh, dates back to August or September. He says, I sent some kids back to school this week, and it got me wondering, what is your favorite fictional school or place of learning? And in case you were wondering, he says, yes, the Jedi temples do count. Okay, then. That'll be a fun one. We'll get into it this Saturday. Hell or high water. Hell or high water. We'll figure it out. Okay. If you're new to this show and you're thinking about putting a hot wire in your ear, I promise you just haven't heard enough yet. Good news, you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital longbox archive at 2 Nerd. 
Podcast.com. If you still don't like the show at that point, you might be a little too highbrow and intelligent. I get it. But certainly, you got to understand that hosting that many episodes ain't cheap. So, fuck you. And we want to thank donors like Clay, the nickname Staley. That man throws too much money at this show. And he never calls us anymore. I would love to hear from you. Make sure he's still alive. I miss him. He moved to Portland. He got all cool. Probably got a good-looking girlfriend. He doesn't do this crap anymore. But regardless, don't cut us off, Clay. We need your fucking money, okay? Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the official THN historian Jason Sachs on the launch of his new comics history podcast, Classic Comics Cavalcade. There are at least two episodes available now with a third, I believe, scheduled to drop today. But if he gets too busy to help us out anymore, fuck this show. I'm oh, taking man. it off the air. <laughs> Word to you, Jason. <laughs> Word to you, Jason. I hope you still can fit in the occasional who the hell is this guy with your busy recording schedule. I'm going to put a link to Jason's show in the notes for this episode. Please be sure to give him some support. It's so good. It's so good, you guys. He, they are. He's so much smarter than we are. It's such a great show. Check it out. Until next time. True Believers! Remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just start his own podcast and bury yours. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.